Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the trade addicts podcast thank you and enjoy your podcast from dynastyleaguefootball.com and a dlf family a podcast that is James the Brain. Guys, I went, before we started recording, I went and grabbed two Bud Lights for this podcast, and one of them turned out to be a Pepsi, and it totally threw me off. So I'm I'm, I'm not going to be myself for this one. This is an interesting combination. That's star healing Dr. Ethan Turner. If y'all could just wear your masks, that would be great. And that's your bro, my bro, our bro, D-bro. What's going on, guys? I'm just here to say that hot dogs are a sandwich, and I'm out. Oh, interesting. <laughs> nice, man. See ya. Thanks, D-Bro, for coming on. Appreciate the hot take. No, just kidding. D- uh, yeah, I agree. Hot dogs are a sandwich. Is chili a soup? Stop it. Yes. Yes! We've, we've, we've got a lot of these to, to run through real quick. Let me Qu- finish. Next, <laughs> Let next me finish the intro. <laughs> no, forget the intro. Next question, D-Bro. Is Batman a superhero? That was going to uh, be the, the next one I get to, by the way. How was how he not? Oh, my Thank God. Thank you. That is enough. All right, D-Bro. Thanks for coming on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how is he not? He has no superpowers. He's a hero. There's nothing super about him. James is over three rich. today. It's a great yeah. day. Here we go. So <laughs> Iron Man's not a superhero. No, he's got a super awesome power oh, suit. That's pretty cool. He's a hero. That's cool. We are literally not even two minutes into the show, and it's gone sideways. Like I'm questioning everything about life right now. Good. I haven't even finished the show. Oh, sorry, John. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's me. It's me. It's that old SFD, and this is the Super Flex Super Show. And finally, we get D Bro on this thing. And uh, man, it, it it again. We didn't even get through the intro before we got into some uh, serious hot takes. Uh, we've got some more. Uh, we've got tons of predictions to get through today. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess we're just gonna go straight controversy, controversy, and talk about Batman, uh, chili, uh, hot dogs as a sandwich. Now, what what else? What are we missing here? There's there's other stuff, right? What what are what haven't we touched on yet? That's going to prevent us from from getting through this show as normal. Are, are any of you uh, part of the the group of psychos that actually put milk in a bowl before the cereal? Oh, oh no, that's a good one. No, because I've I've, yeah, I've, cause I've heard of that, and I that do, feels- yes, you do. I mean, that's a side note, but you do. Um, that's why that's I had good. to ask. Actually, this was really an Ethan Turner question. Thank you. I do think that sometimes. Uh, serial killers have been known to be devilishly handsome, and I think I fall into that category. So, thank you. 
Was that pun intended? Serial killer? Nice. <laughs> Y'all didn't know about the thing with like serial killers being super charming and good looking, and that obviously describes me perfectly. So yeah, that's kind of a compliment if you look like one. Now, if you said I acted like a like a, a serial killer, that would be a little weird. Well, you um, sidestepped the question. You didn't tell me if you put milk or cereal in the bowl first. So I'm no, I said no. Yes. I said okay, no. Okay. No, okay. you put the no. You got to That way you I know how like much I felt like it was milk. a politician answer. I felt like you just deflected and went to serial killers. Like, no, you deflected and went to serial killers. Go back and listen when you start the show. I responded to this question before this. So, <laughs> wait, what was the answer? The answer is no. You go cereal first, so that you know how much cereal you got, and then you go milk to know that you're not going to overdo the milk in the bowl, and then you can get all the milk on the cereal. Correct. So you get that top layer isn't like dry and crusty cereal, which is usually the first bite you take. So it's the most important bite to be good and milk saturated. So, but not too saturated. So nice. So that one's unanimous. What about the hot dogs, a sandwich thing? No, anyone have an issue with that? Nope. Okay. Nice. Uh, chili is a soup. Chili is not. Chili is not. You cannot. You can have a chili dog. dog. You cannot have a chicken noodle dog, man. No, chili is no. Not. That's not fair. <laughs> that's um, not fair. <laughs> to say that that you haven't done it doesn't mean that you can't do it. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Oh, Wait, I, how long can you? I mean, you you better eat that hot dog quick because it's gonna absorb that liquid because there's so much liquid in like a a, a base soup like chicken noodle. They literally have broth. soup called like, chunky soup. It's like its own brand of soup. So it doesn't have to be watery to be soup. I, I'm i telling you. Chili, Our it's poor not, listeners. Like you're not, it's not, you're stuck on the chicken noodle. I mean, there's other types all the of like thicker soups. All the listeners have already heard my amazing argument for why soup and chili are the same thing. And you, James, you can't just keep arguing with – I have a perfect argument for this, and I've already torn you down before. Do you really want to start this show with me tearing you down again? No, you're wrong. In Tor- front of our good friend D. John, if you want to jump, want I mean, I, I, I'm, with, I'm with you. So, I mean, D. Bro's with me. So, <laughs> John, now you're going to have two um, people tearing you down. What what you got here, John? You want to you want to jump in here? I mean, uh, so so we're kind of talking consistency, right? The <laughs> fancy football podcast talking consistency. Uh, you would not think that that the the uh, the topic of conversation is is chilly so much as uh, catch rate or something. Um, but, but yeah, is that that's the argument here? I I think so. It's not it's not a, a water based type thing, um, mm-hmm. whereas soups normally traditionally are. Okay, uh, what about tomato soup? Well, you don't have to have tomato soup to be chilly. Chili is like a chunkier. It's a thicker. It's it's not a. Your argument is that it's not it's water not. based, and yet tomato soup is clearly a soup, and it is also tomato based. I don't just think like just soup in like chili. Also, tomato a, liqu- a liquid dish typically made of boiling meat, fish, or vegetables in stock or water. Does that not fit chili? Just gonna say. Well, okay, okay, but but if you look up chili, does it say a soup? But does the, does the definition of a soup not fit chili? I don't think so. That's the real question, James. When when have you gone into a restaurant and asked what the soup of the day is, and they've said chili? Never. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. On that point, on that point, 
That is when not true. Restaurant, where where is I'm listed? at. Where is chili listed? Is it is there a category for chili, or does it say soups on the menu and then chilies underneath it? I I will not acknowledge anything that D Bro says from here on out. <laughs> this is this is gonna this is gonna end poorly. And Batman's not a superhero either. And and I'm you know what I'm done. I'm just gonna sit here and drink my Pepsi and Bud Light and just just call it a night because I've obviously lost already. Goodness gracious. Man, so by the way, this is all of this. This was the most hard-hitting analysis you're probably going to get on this episode, to be honest. Um, I one last one for you while we're on the topic of soup, uh, old school super show uh, topic of conversation here is soup a viable standalone meal? Oh, for me, yeah, hmm, yeah, now you lost me too, D bro. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, I don't know what kind of stuff y'all are just not putting soup. in your meal, in your soup. But I mean, I load that thing up, man. Yeah. With, like, with, with, with chicken, there's all kinds like, of stuff in soup. Like chicken like a, noodle, it's got like, like it's not all like. It, I mean, you know, put put like an entire pizza in there. It's like eating a bag of potato chips for lunch and calling it lunch. No, it's not lunch. You had a snack. That's what it was. My goodness. We we got to get to fantasy football because I know Debro knows his stuff there. But man, when it comes to food, James, taste, this is this is not good. James, next time you go into a restaurant and you say, "Hey, I would like a bowl of chili," I want you to peruse the menu and see which category it's under. Oh man, it's not going to be under salads, sir. So if you're looking there, you're going to be wrong. I'm going to tell you right now. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go into a restaurant. I'm going to record. Because I'm going to ask them if chili is Please. a soup. And if they say no, my goodness, am I going to share it? If they say yes, and I'm going to pretend I never took it. The place but, is popping in my head of Panera. Go, like, go, Google it. Google mm-hmm. the, the, the menu. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I will. I will. Where, do you, that, where that, do you want me to Google this at? Because I'll help you out. Who are you going to help out? Which one of us? Tell me your favorite restaurant, James. Favorite restaurant. Culver's is the sound to be good because I think I think chili isn't listed as a soup there. So Culver's, Culver's is great. <laughs> you just made that up. staple here. <laughs> you just made that up. Um, that's garbage. Um, also, is anyone's? Oh my gosh! Look at this. It's the first soup listed on the freaking Culver's website. Literally, first soup. Georgia's chili. First freaking soup. Second, there's six soup. It's the third supreme. Two freaking soups. It's like 20% of their menu. Just go home, James. I hate this podcast. I hate this podcast. Just go home. I'm, I'm leaving. Over. I'm, I'm out of here. This is, this it is, is ridiculous. That is, that we can stop right now. Y'all just about to be on to drop anybody the listen to this show. on to James. Anybody listening to the show, you can go to Culver's we- official website, look up their soups. It's the first freaking thing listed. I don't like any of you guys. <laughs> hey, you gave all. him. Hold on. I, I, you I gave think I him. I, wasn't I made you Wendy's. pick the restaurant. Wendy's was my hey, Exactly. He picked the restaurant. So like, he set himself up. <laughs> That's it. I, I need more Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, using a, a, a restaurant's menu as uh, the parameters was probably your downfall there, James. Um. So I think we're we're all good and warmed up for uh, for this episode now. We're we're ready for 
for what's to come here. So um, this is uh, this is one of our favorite episodes to do. And like I said, I mean, it's it's just been a long time coming. We've we've uh, I mean, I've I've been talking with you, Debro, uh, in DMs for I mean, as long as I can remember now, basically as long as I've even been in this fantasy football community. And I, I just always come away with these like little these nuggets of information that I take with me into the season and it it's just it's actually pretty messed up that uh I have not been sharing that resource uh with our super show listeners. So um it's about time that we do that and uh the way we're going to do this is with like I said one of our favorite episodes um where we talk about first we're going to start with spoiler alerts um which is uh you know it, it this is this these things are actually going to happen. This isn't a hot take. It's something that maybe you haven't thought about, but this is actually going to happen. We're just we're just telling you ahead of time. Spoiler alert: this is this is what's going to happen in this 2020 season, and then uh, and then we'll just turn up the heat from there until we get to you are nuts. So let's start it off with you, D Bro, with a spoiler alert for us. All right, so a guy that I've been all over Twitter just uh, pronouncing my love for, uh, Mike Gusecki is going to finish the year as a top five tight end. And currently, depending on the day and whenever I wake up, whether hungover or not, um, he is in the rankings as such. And for me, it really comes down to, first let's leave this off as, anybody out there telling me about Chan Gailey's previous tight ends, let me say this, that you tell him on yourself, because Gasecki is not even close to being a tight end. This dude is a giant slot receiver. Like, And anybody that wants to talk to me about Chan Gailey's previous tight ends, you tell me Gasecki is anywhere along the same lines as Austin Safarian Jenkins, who by all accounts only played seven games for Gailey, uh, Jeff Cumberland, Kellen Davis, just to name a few scrubs, and Scott Chandler. Um, who also didn't even play in the slot hardly at all. I mean, he was like 44%. So I really think that Gasecki is going to be again in the slot last year. Like even if you could talk about high usage uh, tight ends, they're usually somewhere in that 50, 58% range in the slot. Gasecki was there almost 70% of the time last year. So I think it's more accurate to look at his role in this offense akin to what Eric Decker did akin to what Quincy and noon one did the last time that Gailey directed an offense. And in that, yes, I'm probably throwing some shade at Preston Williams, but for all the Preston Williams truthers out there, like I get it, but you can't tell me that this dude, like people want to throw at me like, well, Kaseki's not efficient, bro. If you like go back and you look at Preston Williams, he's barely above 50% catch rate. He got a ton of volume and didn't do a whole lot with it. He's a UDFA. He's coming off an ACL. He runs a 4740. Like, I, I get your love affair and like people want to stand guys, but you probably want to go somebody mm, like a Mike Gasecki that's really athletic if you're gonna take that route. So yeah, I'm on the Gasecki train. Man, I I mean so this is actually the one that I was really hoping would come up because um, because I actually, I, I mean, I just, I really love this take. I, I, that whole Dolphins team feels like it's going to sneak up on some people in a lot of different mm-hmm. ways. But above all else, I mean, I think that defense is going to be a lot better than people think. But 
uh, just that entire team is is going to be I mean it's not going to be flashy but I think that they're they're going to they're going to make a little bit of noise in that division I think. And uh so this is one that I was really hoping to hear from you. I'm curious if the other guys have have any issue with this. I mean this is literally going to happen but you know if you have any complaints about that I guess you can direct it to our man D bro here. No, I like it a lot, and uh, I, I I don't want to after the way Debo treated me so rudely earlier in this, uh, <laughs> this episode. But no, man, it, it's right on. I mean, uh, Mike Kosecki's a glorified slot receiver. If you watch him in line, uh, he can't block. He blocks as well as I do. Um, so he, he's he's a slot receiver, and you know from week eight on, the guy averaged over eight uh, eight targets a game. So you kind of saw his his usage go up later in the season. Eight targets a game is is I mean that's that's what you want. You want your tight end to be targeted, uh, you know, over eight times a game. So uh, I, I think the targets went up. I think we saw kind of what he's capable of in that offense. Uh, I, I think he's used similarly, if not even more uh, in that offense that I, I think is, uh, is, is in need of some, some uh, pass catching ability. So I like, I like it. I think Mike Kosecki is a sleeper top five uh, tight end for sure. Yeah. I don't really have anything else to say. Um, I mean, top 12, tied in last year finishes tied in 12 you know five touchdowns so obviously they're using him in the red zone i think that could go up um you know 12th in receiving yards he has that explosive playmaking ability that you're looking for for these tight ends i don't see any reason why this guy couldn't take another jump uh like i like that you mentioned preston williams i should point out that if you bought the rookie injury guide you would know that preston williams had an acl tear back in high school and then he was more likely to have one again and so you would know that that would have been a guy that you probably should have avoided in drafts because of situations like what we're in right now so Hopefully you bought this year's edition so that you can know these things for this year's class. I know I'm only reason bringing this up because I know that Derek Debro is the one guy, the first guy who bought a rookie injury guide this year. The number I one for that thing before you actually, even before like I even had the it. names of who <laughs> I was going to do Debro's mm-hmm. like, yo man, you got those injury deets. I need, uh, I, I need those nuggets on Zach Moss and I need him yesterday. Hit me he up. needed the nuggets, and so if Debra was paying extra to get his his piece of this injury pie, so now that he's seen the finished product, he more than anyone should be able to tell you about how great it is. So I'm just gonna, I just you know throw that little nugget in there too. But I love this take. Nice, a little bit shameless, but uh, overall love it. Um, but while you're at it, Ethan, how about you give us a spoiler alert? Yeah, so my spoiler alert uh, is pretty simple here. Austin Eckler, he's going to finish as a top five PPR running back again this year. The reason this isn't, it sounds like a hot take based on where he's going in ADP. I mean, you're getting him second, third round, into second round, beginning of the third round. Did y'all forget that he was the fourth running back in PPR formats last year? He finished as the fourth running back. And he's even in a better spot. They doubled down on him this year. They gave him an extension. Melvin Gordon's gone. He does have a little bit of competition. Justin Jackson, Josh Kelly, two guys I like. But this is Austin Eckler's team. And they've told you with everything they've done that they want this guy to kind of be the guy for them. And so while I do like his backups, and I think they're good to have on your dynasty squads because Eckler's not as big of a guy, he doesn't really have a huge injury history. And so I don't see any reason why he can't 
immediately repeat that performance. And I don't see any reason that he couldn't once again be one of the leaders from a passing perspective for the running backs this year. So in PPR leagues, he's a, he's a smash second round pick for me. Man, so I, the uh, the kind of the tough one for me with Mike Jasicki was the fact that you know quarterback continuity might be a little bit of an issue. I don't. I I, I think that I'm. I I personally feel more comfortable with uh, Austin Eckler's quarterback situation, uh, even though they you know they spent a the high draft capital on Justin Herbert. But I mean this this is a roster that's built to win. I you know I I think that they're all in with Tyrod Taylor, uh, at least for this year. And, you know, again, this is, this is going to be a high functioning offense. Austin Eckler is kind of the focal point, man. That's uh, this again, like this feels like this is actually, this is going to happen. You know, people are have reservations about this, but I just, I, I don't, I don't really see a reason, you know, assuming health, w- w- you know, what, what is there to lead us to believe that this doesn't happen? I, anybody have any, any reasons for, uh, for reservation here? I worry about his touchdown equity getting to that Um, point. There it is. That that's my concern. Because if you look at when Gordon came back and I know that Kelly and Jackson are not Gordon, I'm not saying that, that, but do they eat away at like those money touches inside the five more than maybe we think that they will. I mean, that's where I, I guess I, the top five I, I have a little bit of worries about because while I think his floor and where he's probably going to end up, I mean, he's he's a lock. I mean, outside of injury, he's, he's a lock set, like top 15-ish guy, like at his very, very, very basement. But the touchdown equity – I mean, after Gordon came back, like out of uh, Eckler's seven totes inside the five, he only got two after Gordon came back. So Gordon dominated that role at 13 versus Eckler's two. So if Kelly – and if I think that it's one of those guys that's going to assume the role, I'm going with Josh Kelly because Justin Jackson's not a big guy himself. So I guess that's really – if I'm going to poke holes in this, that's really where I'm at just based off of touchdown equity because like – Top five, man. Like, how many touchdowns does he have to sniff to get there? And do we think that he gets it? Just, just for information's sake, for the argument, um, he did have three touchdowns in the first four weeks uh, when Melvin Gordon was gone. So they obviously could use him in that role again. Um, but eleven touchdowns on the year, uh, only uh, eight of them came through through the past. So if you're expecting okay. a, a bump down from a touchdown perspective, I think that's where I could see the regression happening. I mean, I like that argument. Um, does his receiving, you know, usage and if he gets a bump in rushing usage. So again, Melvin Gordon comes back. He only has one game with over 10 rushing attempts, but in those first four games, 12, 17, nine, 18. So they were giving him a much larger workload and, while I do agree that, like I said, I like Justin Justin Jackson. I like Josh Kelly a lot. This is a team that primarily has a guy and then a second guy. Well, if we make Eckler even a little bit of a bump, you know, say instead of five to nine touches, he gets 10 to 15. Can he break away 
and make one of those touches. I mean, eighth and breakaway percentage last season, he can turn one of those touches into 30, 40, 50 yards. And then it doesn't matter that he's not getting, you know, what would we would consider a bell cow touch load from a just carry perspective. I think I, I definitely think that he's, he could easily repeat. Um, but the touchdowns, I guess, are the one kind of thing that doesn't really stick year to year. So um, if he doesn't make it in the top five, I think it will be because he didn't score enough touchdowns. Well, to your point, too, could he be more efficient on his touches? Because the offensive line is definitively better. Like, we know that. Like, they're as long – now, I say we know that. As long – it's a huge freaking caveat to say with the Chargers. As long as the line stays healthy with the moves they made this offseason – it's going to be better than it was last year. So can he also be more efficient with what he's given too? So do you think that the switch from rivers, who's not really a runner, a running threat at all to a guy like Tyrod and even Justin Herbert, who showed some athleticism while he was at Oregon. Do you think that opens it up even more for Eckler? Cause I do. I mean, I think that while I don't think Tyrod is the same type of runner he was earlier in his career, he has the threat with his legs that they didn't have in their offense last season. I, I think he can open up the run game. I think the question is, what do you view Tyrod as as far as a passer? Like, is he going to run enough that we think that he's not going to dump it off? And Tyrod's, what, 30 now? Um, I'm not above thinking that Tyrod's – because Tyrod's not a guy that's ever pushed the ball down the field a whole lot. Like, he's been more to take the safe route. So, personally, I think Tyrod's probably not going to run as much as we possibly think he is this year. I think that the the dump offs could be definitively there, and, and man, I, I don't know what to think about Herbert. Like from a prospect standpoint, he's he's all over the map. I think that he's going to be really raw if he gets uh, any work this year. If he gets starts, um, but right now, like unless they just suck and they come out the gate like first eight weeks, ten weeks, and just stink it up, and which I mean the Chargers have been known to do. I don't know if Herbert sees the field besides like a week 17 cameo this year. Um, I don't know what y'all think about that, but like they've come out and they put a lot behind Tyrod. I know that they put the first round pick into Herbert, but that doesn't definitively say he's going to get starts this year. Like if that team's winning, if Tyrod doesn't suck, I understand that like Baker replaced him and stuff like that, but Herbert wasn't a first overall pick to begin with. So just because you're taking the late or later part of the first round, it is a freaking difference. And people are like, if they throw all these first-round QBs in the same bucket, it's not the same bucket. Like, the guys that go towards the middle or the end of the first round are not going to be definitively given anything their first year. So I I'm kind of looking at this like Tyrod's going to start for most of the year. Yeah, I, I, would say that, I would say that we are, as, an, as a whole, the industry is underestimating the impact that the coronavirus is going to have on rookies this year. Uh, we can't approach this the you same think underestimating i think underestimating um really i think, I think there's too many because people. i've heard a lot of people talking about it ethan <laughs> but i don't think they're giving it the same type of creed like like normally this would be a conversation of top 10 pick quarterback he's gonna start at some point this year that was the narrative going into last season with the rookies this year i don't think that that's the case i don't think you can say that with really any any rookie that they're definitively going to take over a role immediately because we've already seen the preseason has already been impacted. We lost two preseason games. I don't know if we have like a breaking news sounder, but that's, I mean, <laughs> that, that was released this year. 
We lost two preseason games. The preseason's already been impacted. Are these rookies going to be able to come in and start? Like you said, one of them is. Spoiler alert, we're going to talk about him in a few. <laughs> one, so. of, one of them definitely is. But the other quarterbacks, Tua, Herbert. Yeah. I don't, I could see easily this being a year where both of their teams go, you know what? This this guy is not going to be ready. We're not going to be able to give him enough time in the preseason to learn this offense, to implement it at a level that we expect the offense to be run at. We're basically redshirting them for a season. And I mean, I think that's that we have to be talking about that more because it's going to happen with the quarterbacks. It's going to happen with the running backs. It's definitely going to happen with the wide receivers. Except for maybe one. Jonathan Taylor is going to take I don't know about running backs. That's the big difference. I think it's positional. I think there's a big difference when you talk about quarterbacks and reads and running an offense and even receivers and rapport. Running backs, I mean, dude, unless you're talking about pass protection and things of that nature, it really kind of comes – that is the most transferable. Like, we've seen dudes, like, transfer, like, get traded in season and play the next week and barely know any of the freaking offense. Like, look what Kenyon Drake did last year. And I know he's a veteran, but, like, you're telling me that some of these rookies can't do some of the same stuff? Or the running back position, I think that we're fading it too much. The rest of the positions, yes, I agree with you. I remember when my I remember when my Denver Broncos went to the mall to the Verizon store and uh, signed Tatum Bell, and he was starting the following week. It's 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 really not a hard position to learn. Um, it's the 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 big key for running backs is just durability. So, um, it pass pro is definitely part of it too. Um, and I think that 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 might be the the angle here with COVID because you know you what you're going to end up seeing is these, these units practicing together, kind of being quarantined together. You know, if, if basically if you're, if one of your offensive linemen tests positive for COVID, you're probably going to lose, you know, your entire starting unit for the week, very possibly. And that's where the pass protection in the backfield is going to become a pretty big issue. So um, way off topic, but uh, I, 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 you know, it's something that I think we're going to have to continue talking about all the way up until the season and probably into it because uh, this it's going it's going to affect our lineups pretty consistently and in some pretty extreme ways. But um, we should uh, let's let's move on to our last spoiler alert. What do you got for us, Brains? Yeah, I'll, I'll go to mine. So uh of the current players that are being drafted number one overall at their position, my my spoiler alert is Michael Thomas has the best chance to finish as the number one at his position over any of those other players that are being drafted number one overall at theirs. Uh, I, I mean, you just look at what Michael Thomas has done the past two seasons. His catch rate has been over 80%. The targets are always there. Drew Brees is still there. There's continuity. That offense is still the same. This year, th- nothing should change for Michael Thomas, except the fact that they added a receiver that's going to loosen some things up for him. They have another guy who can make some plays in Emmanuel Sanders. It might take some targets away, but that's okay because, I mean, the guy is just so consistent with what he does. I mean, he's had nine touchdowns three of the past four seasons. Even that, which is, you know, a, a, something that is so tough as, as an indicator to predict, 
for fantasy analysts, for, for, for us in fantasy, uh, it has been consistent. So I, I don't see Michael Thomas anything really changing there. I think he's such a safe pick. I think he has the best chance to finish as the number one at his position of the guys who are currently going number one at their position, which Christian McCaffrey, I believe at quarterback, it's Lamar Jackson, but it could be Patrick Mahomes. Um, either way, I think Michael Thomas is safer than those guys. And even the tight end where you have Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Um, I think Michael Thomas is, is a safer bet to finish as a wide receiver one overall there. So what do you guys think? Am I, uh, my total? <laughs> so you, you're, you probably won over our guest here. Uh, Mr. Saints fan over there. I will say, um, I mean, I think that you hedged this properly, by you didn't say that he's going to be the wide receiver one. You just said he's got the best chance at it. Um, which I, I mean, I, I, that feels pretty obvious. Uh, I think I still think Kenny Galladay is going to be the wide receiver one for this year, but um, that probably belongs a little bit later in the show. I mean, I like the take. Um, I think that tight ends about the only position that I think like, but you can make a really good case for either Andrews or Kittle to get up there this year and, and best, especially Kittle. Cause we've seen him, best Kelsey in yards. We all know what the 49ers like that they could feed Kittle and he could pop up to 12, 1300 yards or heck man, if Kittle, Kittle one of these years, and we keep saying it one of these years, but if he were to stack, if all the stars align and he gets the 1300 and like eight or nine tutties, then he's going to surpass uh, Kelsey. So I like to take the only guy. And right now um, I think running back, it's really obvious. Like none of those guys ever repeat um, as the number one runner. Like we haven't seen that since Priest back in 2002 and three. So um, that's a big reason why I don't have CMC as my RB1. But um, the only guy that I think fights Thomas for that is Devontae Adams. Um, that's the only worry I'd have that. But I mean, considering the take, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Nice. All right. Easy enough. Um, let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's, so that one to me, that was the, uh, that's the yellow Taco Bell sauce packet. Uh, we're going to move on to the orange one here. We're going to get a little more spicy with these takes. And, uh, I, so I don't like hot takes because a lot of times people kind of, they, they use them the wrong way. Uh, so I don't like calling them that, but I mean, that's essentially what we're looking for here uh, with this second group of uh, of predictions from you guys. And again, let's start with you, D, bro. All right. So uh, stay with the, all the rookie talk we're talking about right now. Um, and I'm going to kind of shoot myself in the foot a little bit with this because I'm going to talk about a quarterback. Um, Joe Burrow is a top 10 fantasy quarterback for this year. Um, and a lot of this, there are a lot of different reasons why I can definitively see this happening. Um, one, if you're looking for late round upside and a guy that can finish there, you need the rushing equity. And Burrow definitely has it. I mean, 12 rushing touchdowns, 767 rushing yards over his last two collegiate seasons. And the other thing that I think that people aren't given enough credence as to what Burrow can do in this offense is that we've seen – uh, rookie quarterbacks fit in three of the last four years finished top 12. So top 10 is not that far away with Dak, uh, Deshaun Watson and Kyler all finishing top 12 in fantasy points per game in a season in their rookie year. 
And with this Bengals offense, I really don't know. I think Ryan Finley and that little stretch of the Ryan Finley experiment is really kind of throwing people for a loop and not understanding how pass heavy the Bengals are going to be. And if you look at the 13 games, which is almost basically a full freaking season, Andy Dalton started 13 games. If you pace that out for 16 games, the Bengals would have been second in the league in pass attempts. That's what Burrow is walking into. The Bengals were top 10 in plays per game and passing rate in neutral scripts. Like, he's going to be throwing the freaking ball. And basically, if you're going to fade him, I mean, outside of being a rookie and, oh, we haven't seen him do it, this offense is like tailor-made to step into uh, – wow, that's a really bad Taylor, term. Yeah, uh, yeah. Wow. No, that was um, nice. Um, it is made for him to succeed. They run a ton of 11. He's got skill position players that can play for freaking days. If you want to go as deep as Auden Tate, John Ross, Tyler Boyd, if A.J. Green comes back and he's healthy and he's the alpha in this offense. They also have athletic tight ends. They have Joe Mixon, Geo. Like, there are parts and pieces that can elevate Burrow, and you team that with rushing, you team that with a lot of freaking volume and a horrible, horrible defense that is going to force them to throw the ball. Burrow can definitively do that. All he needs is the touchdowns. Yeah, I love it, man. I love this take. I think uh, Debo, you're absolutely right, and, and you gave out, you know, the, uh, the the neutral game script. The fact that you know that Cincinnati throws even in a neutral game script. But like you said, that defense is terrible. They're going to have a positive game script for passing the ball more times than not. And uh, and yeah, they have the talent there. I'm a little shook you didn't mention T. Higgins. I mean, he's got to be he's got to be mentioned, right? I didn't only because if Green's healthy, he's not going to be a starter possibly. Like I think they'll right. shift him and Ross, like depending on packages. That's the only reason I love T. It's love okay. T in Dynasty. You mentioned on tape, but we're just going to go past that. Um, and no T Higgins, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, they, you're right. They have tons of playmakers, and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is so good. I think people forget how good he was in college. Man, he had, I mean, that that season was ridiculous. And you can say that he was surrounded by, uh, you know, some some next caliber talent, but he's going to have that type of talent in Cincinnati too. Uh, I think the game script, it's going to be positive for him. I think a lot of passing attempts uh, and that's what we're looking for. We're looking for those attempts, right? So um, I could see a lot of garbage points uh, being put up too. And those count just as much as all the other points in fantasy. So I'm on board with Joe Burrow uh, being, being a top 10 fantasy quarterback. I like it. Interesting that uh, James is tilting so hard right now from the beginning of this show that he uh, even was willing to take a shot at his beloved Auden Tate just now. That was as interesting choice. Zach Taylor made. That was nice. Uh, <laughs> Ethan, uh, give us uh, give us your 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 spicy take. Oh man, I thought you were going to let me talk about D Bros take first. Uh, I love it. Two, I mean, you don't you want, but bring don't it, forget, bring it, Ethan. Don't forget about that rushing upside. Uh, he rushed over a hundred times in both of the two years at LSU um, for three ninety nine and three sixty eight. So he gives you a little bit of a rushing floor. We might see it in the NFL. You're going to like that in fantasy. Um, and you just can't forget that this dude's just he put together the best college season for a quarterback I've ever seen. I've tried to replicate it. On NCAA 14, I can't do it. It's like impossible, which makes it, even if you put it on easy mode, it's still like pretty dang hard to hit that. And he did it in real football against real, real good teams. So 
that's Joe Burrow's a freak, yo. Like y'all are not giving him enough and credit. And they beat so <laughs> many freaking good teams. Like he, oh my gosh, yeah. There's so many like, I, and I get the whole like I, I I'm kind of sick of hearing it, but like people are like, well, LSU is so good. Doesn't that kind of skew like the talent or how good these guys really are? Like, are they really going to be that good in the NFL? And some of that you really need to dive deeper and not just like read the face value things. And Burrow was amazing at all levels of the field. Like he wasn't throwing checkdowns and dudes were just running for tons of yak zone schemes wide open. He was a top six passer in your, in any throw that was longer than 10 yards. Like he can throw it short. He's accurate. He's mobile. He can throw it deep. Like, I don't really know what people else they need to see out of this guy to not be like, Oh, it was LSU. And it was just Joe Brady. Like get the hell out of here with that. Like if you really want to come at me with that, you need to go do your homework. That's all I'm gonna say. Man, we knocked out all of the uh, all the myths, all in all, really in one one sentence there. So um, I I just want to throw in one of my I I, I don't have uh, any any hot takes written down here, but um, I figured I'd throw them in. You know, kind of as uh, as it comes up, and it just so happens that we're talking about the offense where I. I think the RB one for the season is going to come from um, how, how, uh, how crazy am I on that one? D bro. Sorry, you broke out there for a second. What, what's your take again? Joe Mixon, RB one, the RB one overall. I mean, I love Mixon. I, I think the big question with that one is what do you see as past game usage? Does uh, he get that? Does he get the bump? Does he get the yeah. bump that everybody wants him to get? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, so the big thing is, and and I get that Joe Burrow is pro ready. I get that he's walking on to you know a very good offense with uh, with weapons all over the place and a defense that's not going to be capable of keeping them in most games. I I, I get all that. I still think, especially in you know, a, a COVID pandemic driven season like this, uh, you know, to me, the, the kind of the training wheels is, you know, to involve the running back. And, you know, there it, it, even even just kind of is a is a decoy for the passing game. Like you still have to have Mixon on the field. There has to be credibility uh, in the just the idea that they're going to run the ball, you know, and so. um you know, that that's how you kind of loosen things up for Joe Burrow in the passing game. Um, so, I, I mean, I just don't think that they're going to be able to to take him off the field the way they were with Andy Dalton. I think that um, he's he's going to be on the field, you know, for pass protection, for uh, on, on passing downs. Um, and, you know, just on that alone, I think that he gets the uptick that he needs uh, in uh, in targets. If he gets there and and that is in his range of outcomes, I think that he needs Aaron Jones level last year touchdown equity. I think that he needs close to that. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying it's not in his range of outcomes because I do think that there are a lot of different ways that this offense can be way, 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 way better. Yeah. Like they were just hit bad as an offense just in general at scoring touchdowns. I mean, Andy Dalton was – his touchdown percentage was laughable last year. It was like, it was so, and it wasn't, I think so much him. I think it was literally 
bad luck. Like they had tons of injuries. I mean, his touchdown percentage falled right behind, like in guys that had, I think it was 400 or 450 more passing attempts. He was right behind Kyle Allen and Mitch Trubisky. We can all definitively, I think, say that Andy Dalton is a better quarterback than either one of those scrubs. So I really think like a lot of it was bad luck. And if you buy into Mixon, like hitting his absolute ceiling, Mm -hmm. it comes on the back of two things, improved efficiency and really, really, really good touchdown equity in this offense. So I'm not going to say that, like, I'm not going to poo-poo it and say that, like, that cannot happen. I just think that he is going to need massive amounts of touchdown equity to get there. Yeah, definitely. Which I mean, whoever is going to be the RB one overall, I think you know it, it's it's kind of the same thing. That that's the criteria, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, so and and like you said, I mean, they, these guys don't repeat. So thinking that you know it's just going to be McCaffrey, it's just going to be Barkley because you know that they're just the the obvious answers. It's it, it's it's going to come from outside of that uh, of those two guys. Uh, I think it's so crazy too that like, and I know I'm kind of sidebarring us here for a second, but I I almost think it's more controversial to say that CMC is your definitive RB one, considering the length of time that we've seen these guys don't repeat. Right. I think it's more controversial to say CMC is your set it, forget it RB one than it is to sit here and say it's somebody else, to be honest with you. Totally agree. And I am so happy. That is just music to my ears. I, I spend so much time on Twitter arguing that point and it just, it starts to drive me nuts. I start to want, like, am I the only, am I the only one who's, who's like actually going back and looking at this trend or what? But, um, no. well, people will throw it out there and like, well, CMC is just so good. I'm like, dude, he was in a perfect <laughs> storm too. Like they literally gave him, there was one game at the end of the season where they were literally feeding him to get records. Like, right. <laughs> what else do you freaking want? Yeah. So to say, okay, that's going to happen again? I mean, <laughs> I feel like it's more of an outlier to say that the guy, like we almost have like almost a 20-year sample of that not happening in right. PPR leagues. So you're saying that it's going to happen? That's more of a hot take than saying he's going to repeat. Right. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of people ignore a lot of the changes that Christian McCaffrey is going through. I mean, not only a new head coach, not only a new offensive system, but also a new quarterback. You know, we can assume that we know how Matt Rule is going to, to to call plays there, but we have no idea. We have no NFL track record of how he's going to utilize any player. There's there's some inherent risk there with CMC that people just want to ignore because they look at last year's stats and they just see a guy who, um, you know, can can do so many different things that they just feel he's safe. I think there's some truth to that, but I also think that there's some risk that people aren't willing to acknowledge with CMC already this year. The Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition is an in-depth and unique look at Dynasty Fantasy Football Strategy. The book contains a unique Dynasty strategy that's backed by data and will give you a process to make better decisions in startup drafts, rookie drafts, and Dynasty trades. With an in-depth focus on player value and player analysis, the Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition will give you critical and contrarian strategies on quarterback value in Superflex leagues, valuing rookie picks, trading of future picks in startup drafts, how to avoid costly one-hit wonders, easy narratives to exploit, and so much more. If you use the code FLEX in your purchase of the Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition, you'll be entered into a drawing to receive one of two great prizes from the Super Flex Super Show. Number one, 
We'll bring you on to the show uh, for a round of Tinder Flex. And number two, our Stay Sexy and Super Flexy logoed t-shirt. The Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition can be purchased at analyticsofdynasty.com slash shop for $30 with 20% of the proceeds being donated to the Alzheimer's Association, ALZ.org. So again, purchase the book, Analytics of Dynasty, the 2020 edition, uh, with proceeds going to charity and your chance to enter to win one of our two great prizes from the Superflex Super Show. All right, Ethan, we, we, we tried to get your, uh, your spicy take. Um, let's, let's give it another shot here. Yeah. So my, my spicy take this season, Juju Smith Schuster and DJ Chark, both going to finish as top 12 wide receivers in PPR. And here's why. Damn. Juju Smith Schuster, obviously last season, worst quarterback situation that you could have. Uh, he loses his guy. The Steelers, as a Steelers fan, I can tell you, they didn't have anybody else. It was Big Ben or bust for them. And so when Big Ben went down week two, he had a down year. And Juju Smith-Schuster was dealing with his own injuries. So combined poor quarterback play, combined with injuries, you're not going to have a great season. It's a bummer. I was bummed as a Steelers fan and and as someone who invested heavily in Juju Smith-Schuster as the wide receiver one in an offense that threw a ton of footballs every year leading up to last season. But what are you going to do? Injuries happen. I know that as well as anybody. That's like my thing. So I was bummed, but it happens. Juju Smith-Schuster is going to come back, and he is going to be healthy. Big Ben, still a question mark, but we know one thing about Big Ben. He loves to throw footballs, and he loves to target a guy. Potentially two, but usually it's one guy. And we've seen Juju Smith-Schuster become that guy before. 166 targets, 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns two years ago. Athletically, Juju Smith-Schuster may be even better than he was two years ago. The targets are going to be there as long as Big Ben is healthy. Again, big if, but we have to assume health. I always say you have to assume health for the most part when you're projecting a player. Uh, So I don't see any way that if Big Ben stays healthy and he continues to target Juju at this just insane volume, that he couldn't be a top uh, a top wide receiver and return to that level again. DJ Chark is going to take a little bit more of a stretch, but let me just hold up. Let me let me get my argument out there. Uh, we saw DJ Chark break out last season: 118 targets, 73 receptions, just over a thousand yards, and eight touchdowns which was seventh in the league for wide receivers to say now um, he did not drop a pass last season. He was one of only four wide receivers that did that with that target volume. And he just got a new offensive coordinator and that offensive coordinator is Jay Gruden and Jay Gruden. If you remember now, forget about his time in Washington. That was as a head coach. He wasn't as in charge as what he's going to be as just a coordinator this year. When he was in Cincinnati, he had a guy by the name of AJ green. AJ Green is 6'4, 210, speed demon. DJ Chark is 6'4, 200, speed demon. AJ Green, in the three years, now these were the first three years. Uh, so we'll, we'll go with the second and third year because his first year is rookie. So we'll go second and third year. Jay Green's his offensive coordinator, 164 targets, 178 targets for 97 and 98 rece- receptions, 1,300 yards, 1,400 yards, and 11 touchdowns both years. 
I see a lot of similarities between AJ Green and DJ Chark. There's no one else on this offense that is going to command the targets that DJ Chark deserves given his season last year. He's already gotten 118, takes another step forward, 150 targets, not out of the question. We've seen Jay Gruden feed a wide receiver like that in the past as a coordinator. So yeah, it's a little bit of a stretch, but I see so many similarities that I like between DJ Chark and a young AJ Green that I am not opposed to putting this stamp on him and saying he takes a second jump in his third season and becomes a no doubt top 12 wide receiver. Uh, and, and you guys are free to argue that. Wow. I think, I think, I think it's going to happen. So the, the one, and I don't even, you know, have an, have an argument so much is, uh, just a, a question for you because, you know, going to Juju Smith Schuster here, um, because we've talked a lot about Ben Roethlisberger uh, throughout this offseason. I know that you personally had reservations on it. I think maybe we need an update on that injury. Obviously, they must feel comfortable. Um, they haven't done anything <laughs> to the depth chart behind him. And they could have had a very comparable quarterback in Cam Newton for essentially free. As cheap as he possibly gets. And they didn't pull the trigger. They let him go to an AFC rival, in fact. So... Uh, they they must feel okay about that elbow but how do you feel about it i don't feel great i'm i'm cautiously optimistic because so far the team has not told us or displayed any doubts about it like you said they didn't draft another quarterback to sit behind big ben they didn't go out and go after a cam newton i think there were rumblings that maybe they had offered Jameis winston who knows if they had signed him maybe i would have you know, a different opinion, but so far they haven't really addressed this quarterback room, which tells me that big Ben must be progressing in a way that they expect him to be healthy to start the year. And ultimately that's every NFL player. If they're healthy to start the year, you can't just assume that they're going to get hurt. I think his risk is much higher. I always talk about player risk versus actual like predicting injuries. I don't predict injuries. I predict injury risk. His risk is certainly much higher. We'll see how it affects him, but I think they're going to roll with him. I think right. for Juju to get there, all he needs is is a, for Ben to stay on the field. Like literally, that's it. Like they don't. He doesn't need to be Big Ben of like elite years or or anything more than just better than what they had last year. Um, I do want to weigh in on your DJ Chark call. I feel like that's money. I love DJ Chark this year. Like, I feel like that's easy pickings. Like, I love, but some of my people might disagree with that call. And if there's anybody here, please tell me because I love that call. I mean, DJ Chark last year, the first 14 weeks of the season, he was wide receiver eight in total points and fantasy points per game. He's going to get the target volume. There's not like, and depends on what you think about LaVisca Chanel, that like he's going to be worked into this, but. I don't see him as being a volume guy in the first year. He's more of a detriment to D.D. Westbrook than he is to Chark. Chark is an outside wide receiver. Like, Jay Gruden's already talked about using him in the slot. Like, you put D.J. Chark, if he gets any more of a bump in the slot this year, like, it's wheels up, dude. Like, he was only in the slot 26% of the time last year, and the guy beast-moded. Like, he his QBR was off the charts. He was 129, and he scored four of his eight touchdowns via the slot. So if he gets more slot time this year, even a small bump, it 
it's it's going to be electric. I, I love the shark call. See, my my problem with the shark side of this, and I I, I agree with the the juju side, uh, honestly. But my problem with the shark side of this is his splits, his second half splits. He, he definitely fell off, and uh, that's alarming to me because when you look at the first half, I mean, the majority of his touchdowns, the majority of his fantasy points came in that first half. The second half, the targets were there, the efficiency wasn't, and uh, we just saw his yardage total kind of you know go down. He had a couple games where he was okay, but um, there, there's just not a lot of consistency there in the second half. And that worries me. That's that's a, a trend that bothers me a little bit just because we don't have a huge sample size of DJ Shark. So uh, that would be my only, my only hesitation here as far as a top 12 wide receiver goes. I think he could definitely, he, he's a wide receiver too for me all day. Uh, but a top 12, I, I have a, I have a little bit of a problem with only because I, I, I kind of want to see if he can, he can, go back to what he was earlier in the season last year, as opposed to what he was later in the season. Um, so yeah, that, that would be my hesitation there with DJ shark. I think that's fair. I mean, I think that there's definitely a little bit more volatility with him. You would expect um, he has huge games, which does, I mean, but we could say the same thing about Tyree kill. I mean, that's kill huge games. so, I mean, the volume is there. And so, he doesn't drop passes. The volume is there. I think Gardner Minshew could take a step forward. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but I think with this, with with Jay Gruden coming in a different offense, I could see the pass game be used. I mean, they run a West Coast system. Jay Gruden does. So the pass volume is going to still pre- probably stay consistent, and they're going to be more creative than what uh, Filippo was last year. So I think it's going to even itself out. I think he's going to get better quality targets because they're going to use him in different ways. I mean, Jay Gruden's already come out and basically said, I am excited about using DJ Chark. So he's. we've already seen the breakout. We've seen the offensive coordinator want to use him and be excited about using him. We've seen that offensive coordinator have a mega producer as a wide receiver one twice, two of the three years with, with AJ Green. So to me, there's a lot of things stacking up for, for DJ Chark to, to have a potentially just absolute monster year. Consistency is definitely the one thing that I think is a great point that could limit him. If he can't find that consistency, then you're going to be concerned. But to me, we're talking about hot takes. So consistency <laughs> be damned. His yards per target, too. Uh, when you look at his yards per target, they were so high the first half of the season. And and really dropped off below below ten um, the second half of the season. But he had he had games early on like 36, 15, 14, 10, you know ten and a half, and then uh, they kind of kind of went down a little bit. So I mean, there yeah, I, he definitely has the capability to finish it as a top twelve wide receiver. I can see that. I just uh, and his catch rate is good. You know, um, it, it just it, it's a matter of you know, how's he going to be utilized? And if, if he can be efficient with the targets, the catchable targets that he's going to have, uh, that's going to be kind of key. And, uh, and we'll see, we'll see whether or not he can do that. Well, can we also give some context to last year too, that 2018 was almost a redshirt year. I mean, he was barely used barely on the field. Like he only played, I think 11 games, 10 or 11 games. And so last year, like I understand you're in team meetings and stuff like that, but brand new quarterback you're learning on the fly with after Foles goes down. And he's inserted into this offense and he just, he is totally different than every other wide receiver they have to. Like, if you look at how he wins, he wins on the outside. He can win versus man, press zone, everything else. The rest of their wide receivers, 
Um, and I'm saying this because we haven't seen Chenault yet. The rest of their wide receivers primarily have a lot of success versus zone coverages, but if you press them, they wilt. That's not the, the case with Chark. And to me, that 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 screams alpha uh, profile, and I think that he can take that step forward this year. What do you got, James? Give us a uh, spicy take here. Yeah, my uh, my spicy take here is less about talent and more about opportunity. And um, so I'm I'm saying David Johnson is going to finish the season as a top ten fantasy back in PPR scoring. The reason why I'm saying this is, look, Bill O'Brien has heard uh, about how terrible of a trade he made when he traded away Hopkins, and and really got David Johnson in return. I, I think he is motivated to feed David Johnson the rock. I think that offense changes with no Hopkins there. You're relying on guys like Will Fuller and Kiki Kuti to stay healthy. Uh, I, I, that's a bet I'm not willing to make. David Johnson is a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's he's done that very well. Uh, I think he'll be utilized in that role. I think he's going to get a lot of touchdowns too. Um, I think he's going to be used as the primary goal line back. I see a lot of touches this year for David Johnson. As long as he's healthy, uh, I don't think it's about talent. I don't think he's going to to be the most efficient back, but I think he's going to have opportunity enough to be a top 10 fantasy running back. So to me, uh, David Johnson's a top 10 fantasy running back in PPR. What do you guys think? I like it. I mean, I've been investing in David Johnson as far as in best ball and stuff so far. Um, I think if you fade David Johnson, you're fading him based off of you don't think he can stay healthy. Because past that, what else are you really fading him? Like, the offensive line is not amazing. But we saw him last year. The Cardinals' offensive line wasn't great, like, at the beginning of the season. He was still RB6 before, like, injuries and everything else took its toll. Like, I know, like, everybody wants to go to Twitter and they want to talk about the the video about where he looks like he's literally running in slow motion. The Cardinals buried him, man. Like, I don't think he was anywhere close to healthy. The dude's lumbering out there. And if you look at – go back and watch any of his games, and I'm not a – I'm not one of the guys that says, hey, go watch the film. But if you do watch the games, he looks like a different player. The guy, Like, into the season, he looks like he could barely probably tie his freaking shoes. And at the beginning of the year, he's out there running routes. He was still electric in the pass game. So if you fade David Johnson, it's really you don't think that he's going to stay healthy because past that, the volume's going to be there. The offensive weapons are all there with Deshaun Watson just pulling at the, the strings all year. For this to be a really good offense and David Johnson to absolutely eat, all he needs is health, and that's a big if. But I, if he stays healthy, yeah, I like it. What do you think, Ethan? Are you eating my uh, my orange Taco Bell sauce packet here? Are you are you drinking it? Are you drinking it straight from the packet? What's going on? You know, um, as the injury guy, I would say that you have you have to pay attention to the pre-injury production and post-injury production. You can't ignore that he was playing hurt. You cannot just sit there and look at and you and you look at the end of the season. You go, oh my gosh, Kenya Drake came in. Kenya Drake came in on hardly any touches. He came into an offense that was starting to hum with Kyler Murray. Um, and he took over a role that was prime for the taking. David Johnson wasn't healthy. They were trotting him out there as a last-ditch effort to maintain some type of threat in the running game. But those first few games, David Johnson was producing some some pretty substantial numbers. You know, we're looking at 
you know, 82 yards on the ground, seven, seven targets, six receptions, 55 and a touchdown in the receiving game. You know, second game, kind of a dud playing Baltimore that, that not a great game. Okay. That's fine. Uh, but he was still getting targets at three games after that, nine targets, 11 targets, five targets, eight targets, you know, and he's putting up numbers, 99 yards, 65 yards, 68 yards and a touchdown. Uh, in the receiving game, and he was getting it on the ground too. You know, I mean, David Johnson has probably been the most misused running back, or one of the most misused running backs that I have seen in the last few seasons. He is a pass catcher. He is not a good runner. I'm sorry. Like, I don't think he is great between the tackles. He is much better when you can get him out in space. He can use that shiftiness and explode upfield and make people miss and get him into space. And I think that the Texans are going to use him that way, primarily as a pass catcher. I hope, I hope he's primarily as a pass catcher, but I mean, David Johnson, I don't have a lot of him this year in best ball or in just regular redraft. I don't think I'm going to have a lot of, cause I'm going RB heavy and he's kind of that guy you get. If you grab a wide receiver or two in the first three or four rounds, I like him as an RB2 in in those types of drafts. I haven't been doing that. I've been taking a lot of running backs super early, so I don't really – I'm usually stacking wide receivers like a DJ Chark, like a Juju Smith-Schuster in the rounds that you're seeing David Johnson go. But I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be a very viable RB2 with RB1 upside week-to-week uh, week in this offense with his skill set. I'm going to say one last thing about about David Johnson here. If the Texans can will, absolutely will, Carlos Hyde to a 1,000-yard season, how in the hell can we think that that's not in the range of outcomes for David Johnson? Just saying. Mm -hmm. And Lamar Miller for how many years was fantasy viable? I I don't think special player when I think Lamar Miller or Carlos Hyde. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's a fantastic point. All right, let's move to the uh, the fire packets from Taco Bell. Let's turn up the heat all the way to one of our absolute favorite segments. Get bold with these predictions for 2020 with your nuts. And we're going to start once again with our guest, D-Bro. Show us your nuts. All right, well, you asked me to turn up the heat and to get crazy here. Uh, Terry McLaurin could be a top eight wide receiver this year. And a lot of people, the first thing that everybody (laughs) says is, but what about Dwayne Haskins? And I got you. I get what you're saying. But the other thing that you need to give some context to here is that the eight games that he played outside of the realm of Dwayne Haskins, there was not great quarterback play. Like Case Keenum is not a world beater. So what the, the level that you're asking the quarterback play to get to, to be to for Terry McLaurin to hit this is not exceptionally high. And can we all just say that Terry McLaurin is a straight baller? I mean, that is an undisputable fact. Like this guy was ridiculous last year. If you look at the eight games, just like when he had Keenum under center, he was on a pay or the six games, excuse me. He was on a pace for 256 PPR points. If you look at the last four years in total points, that would have put him as the wide receiver 8, 13, 7, and 7. This offense is going to pass the ball more. Like, it's definitively going to happen. Their new OC let Kyle Allen throw the ball 
to the tune of they were second in the league in pass attempts last year. So if you want to hit me with volume, if you want to hit me with how good Dwayne Haskins has to be for this to be a thing, there is not much standing in the way of Terry McLaurin beast moaning his way to like 140 targets this year. Because if you look at last year as well, he was on 106 target pace if he played six, 16 games. That's going to go up because the coach they had last year when Haskins was the guy under center last year, they were 31st in plays per game. They were tried to play slow. They tried to run the ball and they did not want to throw the ball. All those things are changing with Scott Turner as the OC this year. So it might sound like pure insanity because he's not going to get the volume. The quarterback play is not going to be good enough. All of these other things like those are low bars for Terry McLaurin, like for the other pieces around him and the other things around him to happen for him to hit this mark. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest. You're kind of speaking to my heart here because I, I, uh, I have a lot of Terry McLaurin love. Why I don't have a lot of Dwayne Haskins love. Uh, I, I really like Terry McLaurin <clears throat> last year when I was watching film on these prospects uh, before the draft, I remember mentioning and, uh, and and it was taken at the time as Paris Campbell hate, but it, it, it maybe it wasn't, maybe it was actually Terry McLaurin love. Cause I remember saying, man, every time I watch Paris Cam- uh, or uh, Paris Campbell tape, Terry McLaurin just stood out, you know, like he's the one that shined on the film for me. Um, and so when he came into the league, I didn't expect a whole lot uh, just because I didn't think the opportunity was there uh, for him based on, you know, his, uh, his draft capital. But I mean, he, he played his way on the field. He earned it. He looked, he looked like a beast. I mean, this guy, he knows how to get open already uh, at this level. And so I, I really like Terry McLaurin. I like his upside. I think you, I mean, you kind of opened my eyes a little bit to, you know, the fact that those passing attempts should go up and you know, there's a coach that has a track record in the NFL that I can look at and it's pretty positive for, uh, for the passing game. So I like that. And, uh, I don't trust any of the Washington backfield to really eat into, uh, to too many of, uh, of, of his oppor- too much of his opportunity in the pass catching game. Um, and I, I don't really like a lot of the other wide out options. Uh, Sims is the only other guy that, uh, that was really fantasy relevant at all last year. And that wasn't much. Uh, so yeah, no, I like Terry McLaurin a lot. I, I don't know about top eight. I mean, that is spicy, which it's supposed to be. You're supposed to show us your nuts. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say you're a little nuts here, D bro, but I like it, man. Yeah. That's kind of how it feels a, a, a little bit nuts. Um, not, not, not crazy that my big issue is, is there room in the top eight for, for McLaurin, you know, just kind of, just kind of looking at the, the list of kind of the, the top tiers of guys, because I mean, you know, we've, we've talked about Juju Smith-Schuster and DJ Chark. Um, I mean, more top 12 was, was the take, but, um, you know, that I think that puts top eight in play for those guys. Um, and that's, you know, that's outside of the, the top, you know, tier or two of guys. Uh, I, I, I just don't know if there's room for him there. Like even, even with the volume, I don't know if there's, if there's room for him in the top eight, but um, I mean, as far as, you know, if, if you were to do his projections, which I'm, I'm assuming you've done that D bro. I, I, you know, I think that that probably holds up number numbers wise, but um, I don't know, Ethan, do you, is, is this nuts at all to you? I mean, I think it's nuts to me just cause I, I don't trust 
Dwayne Haskins. But if you're assuming that Dwayne Haskins takes a jump up, I don't think it's crazy. I like Terry McLaurin. Again, When I'm starting a lot of drafts with three straight running backs because to me, I'd rather just have studs and then not worry about it and pick up you know PPR backs later in the draft. Terry McLaurin is a dude I, I, I see a lot and I'm like, yeah, I'm good with that. When I'm stacking wide receivers and rounds, you know, four through eight, he's going right now, 65th overall in, in fantasy pros ranking right now. That's middle of the fifth round. To me, for the upside that you're getting with Terry McLaurin, we've he's already shown it. He's going to take a jump. I mean, he's shown it as a rookie. I mean, there's no way he's not going to take a bump up, assuming, assuming health, of course. I think a year with Haskins, Haskins gets a little bit better. McLaurin's the only guy that's really any kind of threat to catch passes. Volume, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for dudes that are going to get volume on not the greatest of teams because these are in volume was on good teams. They're getting scooped up in the first round. So we're looking for volume on teams that are probably going to be playing from behind that are potentially going to feed a one guy and you want that guy. And I think Terry McLaurin is that guy for Washington. So it's not crazy. I mean, we see it all the time. We see bad wide receivers or sorry, bad teams put up good wide receiver numbers for their wide receivers ones all the time. So why can't that be Terry McLaurin this year? I don't think it's, I think it's hot because of where he's being drafted and it is super, super spicy. (gasps) burning my tongue because of the things that you guys said. And that's the whole point of doing hot takes is like, it should be unrealistic for this to happen. But every good hot take has like a twinge of like, but maybe, and And I think that's exactly what this has. And if it happens, a great hot take. Yeah. And I love it. And it's, it's plausible. And if it happens, you're going to get some ridiculous value out out of Terry McLaurin. Like you said, just where he's being drafted. If he makes it into the top eight, that's it's insane value. So uh, your turn, Ethan, show us your nuts. All right. So some people are going to be upset about this and that's okay. But I still, and this is very relevant to current fantasy news. So if you hate this take and you're listening, come at me, bro. Cam Newton is starting less than six games this season. And here's why. One, assuming health is always dangerous with a guy like Cam Newton. He hasn't been healthy for a few seasons now. He plays a style of football that doesn't is not conducive to health. He is... So that there's the health factor, okay? Reason number two. He is joining a team that expects excellence, that has one of the most historically complicated systems to learn. He is not necessarily the quarterback that fits the mold of what they've had. So they're either changing the system or he's going to have to a steep learning curve to learn that system. On a shortened offseason, a shortened preseason, a you know, who knows what his workout, what the workouts are going to look like. We don't even know yet with the coronavirus, with all the things that are happening, happening. We don't know what this preseason is going to look like. They've already shortened it. So we're asking a guy to come in learn one of the hardest systems in the league. That's not tailor-made to his skill set. And then we're looking at this. I was looking at their, the, the, the Patriots schedule and it's 
while it's always notoriously pretty pretty cush given the conference that or the the um, division that they play in, it's not exactly like the easiest schedule to go through, especially in the first six weeks. You got the Dolphins week one, and you say, "Oh, the Dolphins, that's going to be a pushover team." The Dolphins beat them last season. Uh, let's not forget that that was an important game. The Dolphins won that game. Okay, uh, you don't think the Dolphins going to have a little bit of swagger coming into week one? I think they are at the Seahawks week two. Probably not going to win that game. Sorry, the Seahawks are, are are a good football team. At the you know against the Raiders, probably going to win that game. I don't think the Raiders are any good. Uh, they're playing at the Chiefs, and they ain't winning that game. Uh, and then a, you know, so right there, if the Dolphins pull an upset, you're looking at starting the year one and three. If you're Bill Belichick, if you're the Patriots organization, if you're a Patriots fan, do you want them? to finish out the year eight and eight, miss the playoffs, miss the chance to draft a potentially elite quarterback prospect. We've got two of them, maybe three, depending on how you like Trey Lance, at least two. I think it's going to end up being three elite quarterback prospects. Are Do you think Bill Belichick is going to let Cam Newton play his way on a min contract out of an elite quarterback prospect? Now you might say, yeah, that's about winning. Okay, whatever. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Jared Stidham's going to take the reins by week seven. They're going to suck, and they're going to draft one of these three quarterbacks that I just mentioned, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. They're taking one of those dudes, and then we got another Patriots dynasty. You just wait. Wow. So this started off not, I mean, nuts, but not not totally nuts. Uh, you were a little bit nuts, but you just got more and more nuts as you went on with Jarrett Stidham beating out a former MVP in Cam Newton uh, for starting. I, I mean, for, for literally anything, like anything on earth, not but just you're playing assuming quarterback he's, he's in the beating NFL. Him out because they think he's a better option. No, he's beating him out because it's a worse option. They're not going to pull what the what the Dolphins pulled last year, where mm-hmm. they went with the worst quarterback, could have guaranteed their the number one pick decided to go back to the veteran and then won enough games to potentially play them way their way out of Tua. They got lucky had Tua not injured his hip. They wouldn't have got Tua, and we'd have been talking about the stupidest <laughs> quarterback switch in the NFL history. They got lucky that Tua hurt his hip and did and fell to them at five because he wouldn't have. Yeah. And the Patriots aren't that dumb. So they're gonna go uh. and sit them and they're gonna suck. You just wait. I, I I don't know that they're that smart either. It, it so I I just have a hard time imagining Bill Belichick wasting even a second when Tom Brady is still in this league on a different team uh, by by tanking rather than proving that this this entire dynasty all along has been the Bill Belichick Josh McDaniel system rather than Tom Brady running that offense. And that's kind of where I'm at too. Like, I dude, I can't see Bill swallowing it, like, and being like, okay. <laughs> Plus, with a veteran, like, this is an older team, like a veteran locker room, and saying, all right, guys, I know we got Cam here, but this guy Jared Studham is gonna be the quarterback. He he he's it, man, and we're gonna win. Like, ah, that's. That's even painful just to even say like in make believe land. And like I I and I don't I don't know if I could I get the health concerns. Um and 
injury. But even if they start out bad, I just can't see Bill just swallowing it and being like, I'm going to bench Cam for for freaking Stidham. That's the, I think yeah, that's my whole with it. Like, cause Tom Brady basically just like put the birds up and said, peace, I'm out. Like, I just can't see Bill being like, all right, Brady and them, it, it, like they look over in the NFC and they say, all right, Brady's got like eight, nine wins. Like they're probably going to sneak into it as a wild card of the Patriots. Like, unless they start out like, even if they start out like 0-6, I can't see Bill just being like, all right, guys, we're going to be 4-12 and this year. Have fun. Like, that. That I guess that's where I'm at. Like, and, and some of that could be a little bit too much coach theory and the assumption of, you know, I don't even know if it's a rational coaching, but coaching ego and being like, that dude just is not going to swallow it. Like, I mean, like, if, he if does he whatever was- the heck he wants, man. If if he was gonna do it, if he was going to tank, it would be Owen sixteen. Like that's the that's the way the that Bill Belichick would do it. Like he, he would go to such an extreme that they have to make new anti tanking rules, kind of the way we do in our dynasty leagues all the time. The NFL would have to make new rules to prevent a team from tanking the way Bill Belichick just did. <laughs> yeah. The- uh, so, so the problem, Ethan, with your take here is, it, man, you took that spicy, fiery sauce that everyone's craving, and you put it on a crusty old dog turd, <laughs> and you served it to us. That's that's what this take is. Now, now, look, Ethan, I, I tell you what, I if can, you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen. <laughs> I, that shouldn't be in the kitchen. I thought you were going to say he bathed in it, but cool. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I, I was picturing. Like, I didn't know where you were our... going with that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was picturing you like rubbing it in our eyes or something, but yeah, I didn't see the dog turd coming. But... That, wow. That's, yes, that's what it was. <laughs> and here's the thing. I could see after maybe nine weeks, 10 weeks, I, I could see them going, you know what? Um, Cam's contract is incentive laden and we don't want them to hit those incentives because why bother paying them? that much if we're not going to make the playoffs i could see something like that but man six six that's so soon like outside of an injury i just don't see it i think that's too soon to call it uh and and when you went through that schedule man i don't know about miami pulling an upset you know like i it's there's a lot that has to go in that direction for i mean this is still the new england patriots they still know how to play teams like miami they still know how to play i i they're still an okay team, you know, like they're not, I, I, while they are, you know, the talent void, they have been in the past and they still find ways to win. Um, I, I just don't see new England coming out and, and just putting up a bagel in the first six games and, uh, and then doing that. So yeah, to me, this, this is uh, fiery spicy and I I'm sending it back, man. I'm sending it back to the kitchen. I want no part of it. All right, James, I've, I've put this one off as long as I possibly could, but, uh, I mean, we're, we're nearing the end of the show here. There's nothing left to do, but let you, speaking of dog turds, we're, (laughs) you're, you're about to throw one on the table, I think, but, um, yeah, let's hear it brains. Show us your nuts. Aaron Rodgers will finish under QB 15 in fantasy for the first time in his career as an every week starter. 
look, man, he's trending down. He's trending downward. This has been a trend that he's been on for years. We've seen it. We know it. Uh, the, the team philosophy is changing. I mean, you, you have to admit they, they didn't go out and no. get receivers. They, you, you, no you, one has to admit a damn thing. Okay. So, so, so trading up for Jordan love wasn't enough of a sign nope. that they don't want to throw the ball and then drafting two offensive linemen, not bringing in any wide receivers, not named Devin Funches. The system is changing. They want to be a run first team. The defense is built to win. They are not going to throw the ball enough. They're not going to have the volume. And when they do throw, they have Devonte Adams and like me catching the ball. I mean, they have nobody else, man. I, it's, it's so bad. I'm not even saying this is an Aaron Rodgers like, I'm not even going to say it's his talent. I'm not going to say that, John. I'm just telling you right now, the way Green Bay has approached this, which I, I'm sure we can agree, Green Bay has approached the draft and free agency in the wrong way. Um, they've alienated their quarterback to the point where I I, I don't think that they're going to utilize him or, or, or put up with any type of audibles, any type of uh, play calling, you know, uh, nah, I don't want to run that play type things from Aaron Rodgers anymore. I just, I don't see him being a top fantasy quarterback this year. I don't think it happens, man. Uh, I don't know. How crazy am I? You're nuts. You're totally nuts. I'll, I'll let the other guys go first uh, because I have much stronger uh, feelings on this than, I mean, really anyone else on earth. But, uh, yeah, you're nuts. So I, I, I need to hear – all right, well, I mean, let me break this down. I need to see more of your nuts on this one. Um, <laughs> if Rodgers doesn't hit it, why is it because the offense is bad? Is it because the touchdowns go to the running backs? Is it because he gets bent, like benched? Is he just dust? Like where, what's the primary driver for how Rogers fails? Um, or is it like two main things? I guess like uh, flesh this out a little bit for more for me. Yeah. I, well, first off, I think game script. I think the defense is better. I, I think that they keep scores down. And I think that this is a run first philosophy. I, I think this team is shifting to being a run first team. Look, Aaron Jones is in a contract year. So is Jamal Williams. They go out and draft A.J. Dillon. Uh, they didn't bring in any wide receivers to help out the passing game. They brought in offensive linemen. They brought in a future replacement at quarterback. It just they're showing us their cards. They're telling us what they want to do. The, the, all of a sudden the passing volume isn't going to go up. Like I just don't see that being the case. Looking at the personnel they've signed, look at it, who they've drafted. I mean, this is going to be a run first approach. I think the attempts for Aaron Rodgers are down, which means the touchdowns will be down, the yardage will be down. I don't think that this is and you know, I don't think that this has anything to do with Rodgers' talent. I think it has to do with the situation. And and reading the situation right now, I don't think that they're gonna lean very heavily on Aaron Rodgers. I they this team has had to in the past. That's been their whole offensive philosophy is leaning on these Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I just don't think that that's the way that uh, that they're approaching, at least this coaching staff looks like they want to approach the season. So uh, maybe I'm wrong, but hey, look, man, it, you are. It, it's the, the weather in Green Bay. We'll say it. Um, the fact they play in, you know, in, in Lambeau Field, uh, I, it, the ball is hard. It, it's it's a whole lot harder to tackle a big back like A.J. Dillon. I'm just saying, I, I think that the, the writing's on the wall here. So in a nutshell, LaFleur is just kind of just saying, all right, we're going to run it when we get in close. Basically, like, that's where all the time. Because Rodgers, even with the same skill set players, and I'm not saying Rodgers is great. I think he's on the back end of his career, um, and he's dropped off in a number of ways. I'm like, I agree with you. Like, 
I think we can all agree that the Packers draft was, I mean, universally hated. Like, I think even if you were the most staunch cheesehead supporter, you'd be like, uh, excuse me. Um, there's no way there's nobody. Um, and we can go all the way back to, uh, they showed like video of LaFleur's house and like his kids are even like, who knows what they were reacting to, but they're making draft picks and the kids are like, "Eh," like making all these faces like they're in pain. Um, (laughs) little five-year-olds like Jordan love what the (laughs) like, wait a minute. You took an, uh, what's an H back dad. You got to tell me what that is. I don't know what the heck that is. Um, so man, like Rogers was QB 10 last year with all of these bad factors around him. He's never been a guy that's like been fed. I think maybe 2018 or 2019 was one of the rare years. He got a lot of pass attempts. Um, but past that, like um, off the top of my head, he's never been a high volume quarterback. So it's all been touchdown percentages. So, man, if this happens, it's because they go run heavy and they just strip Rodgers of all of his touchdown equity. Um, I don't think that he's legit, like still a upper echelon quarterback as far as skill and talent goes. I see those things as eroding. Now, the question also becomes like outside of Devante, like who the heck do they have? Um, I'm a big believer in Jay Sternberger. And if you're on the other side of this, I think that you have to believe that the weapons are better than we all think they are in the sense that not punches, not Lazard, but like that there is a second guy or two guys that can kind of step up and be the playmakers to help Rogers weather the storm. Now, whether that's Aaron Jones in the past game, whether that's Jay Sternberger being better than dusty Jimmy Graham was at all during his time in green Bay. For me, if you still believe in Rogers and you still believe that he can, that he's going to get above this watermark, that's where I feel like your faith has to go. I'm not saying that it's totally not in his range because LaFleur is doing a lot of head scratching, like crazy things like, Man, like anybody that wants to tell me AJ Dillon is the second coming of Derrick Henry or even even close to that, like we're not on different pages. We're reading from different scripts. You've watched a different player than I have. I I don't see that at all um, when I watched AJ Dillon. So yeah. I'm not going to call you insane. Um, Do it. I think that that if you LaFleur don't, know, really has to. Lafleur really has to tell Rogers like get out. Like I'm done with you. I'm over you. Like you're, you're done, man. Like absolutely mm-hmm. uh, for this to happen though. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think that process has already started personally, but yeah, no, I, I... <laughs> it, it's not coming in 2020. And by the way, 2019 was the absolute west, uh, worst case scenario for Aaron Rodgers. You know, you had a, a defense that played well beyond their actual capabilities, uh, you know, maybe somewhat, uh, you, you give the credit somewhat to the strength of schedule. The running game worked far better than it. Do we really think that Aaron Jones is going to maintain that touchdown rate? I don't. I don't see that happening. I don't um, think this team is as good. As I don't that. think that happens. But it, does AJ Dillon end up with like five instead of Jamal Williams? You know. Yeah, which is which is certainly possible. But I, just as a whole, I don't. I don't believe that the running game works as well for them in 2020 as it did in 2019. I, you know, you also had a significant amount of time without Devonte Adams and a bunch of, of wide receivers who, you know, 
it, it, it's more of a lack of continuity at wide receiver than a lack of talent. They, they went pretty wide receiver heavy in that 2018 draft. And, you know, when Devontae Adams goes down in 2019, you've got a bunch of second year guys who haven't been on the field a whole lot. Certainly, you know, haven't been able to get Aaron Rodgers' attention. And, you know, he, and he still ends up as a, as a quarterback one for the season, even with all of that going on. I, I, I don't believe that the defense is as good as they were in 2019. I don't believe that the running game is going to work as well. And I do believe that, you know, regardless of the fact they don't have the star power at wide receiver beyond Devonte Adams, but what they do have now is three years of continuity with these guys um, and Aaron Rodgers throwing to them, you know, throughout the off season for, for, you know, three straight years now. So again, I, and it, like Debro said, I, I don't know who is going to be the guy who's, who, you know, steps into that wide receiver two role, but I think that they've got what they need in that was in that uh, in that wide receiving group. Um, for, for John, Aaron real Rodgers. quick, real yeah. quick, you're yeah. talking about continuity with the receivers. Does anybody have any idea why in God's green earth they buried MBS? Like, what did he do? Re- yes, yeah, did seriously. he like curse somebody out? Did he like crap in one of Lafleur's shoes when he wasn't looking? Like. <laughs> What happened there? Like, right? I don't understand that for the life of me. Like, like who's the guy that that you're talking about rapport? Who's the guy that steps up? If you got to name one, I mean, it, it seems like Alan Lazard is is the guy that you know that Rogers feels the most comfortable with, and he's done this before. I mean, he's he's made some absolute stars out of no name wide receivers throughout his career. He's done this several times, so you know I. Again, it's it's not to me. It, I, I'm not looking at the talent. I'm not looking at the names. I'm looking at the fact that Aaron Rodgers picks a guy and locks in on them, whoever they are. It could be James Jones going for double digit touchdowns randomly and never doing anything again. Like we we've seen that happen before. We could see it happen again. I I mean, my, my favorite has always been ESB. I don't know what happened there. I don't know where he went either. Um, but I mean, they've got several candidates here. You know, when you throw in MVS and you throw in Jake Kumaro, like they've got so many different, uh, so many different guys who could do it. You know, even on just a weekly basis, even if it's not a, a you know, a perpetual thing throughout the season. Like that's what ended up happening in 2019 especially when Adams was out, it was, it felt, it felt like it was a different guy every week. Like you got a couple good weeks out of Lazard. You got a, a you know, a couple good weeks out of Kumaro. It, he just, he still spreads it around. And, but the bottom line is he still ends up as a quarterback one every single time he's healthy and plays the entire season. Yeah. Well, here, here's the problem I have with guys like MVS and ESB is they're not Lafleur's guys. And the guy who got playing time was Alan Wazard, a big-bodied wide receiver who can block for the run, which, mm-hmm. again, just shows me what – it shows everyone what Green Bay wants to do. They want to run the ball first. And, and I, I just don't – I don't understand why we are ignoring what happened last year when, you know, the Packers showed us not only what they want to do, but the fact that they were successful doing it and were, were able to to ride that to what an NFC championship game. I mean, they were a game away from the Super Bowl. So well, 
it, it worked. Why, why would you go away from it? And all of a sudden you're going to throw MVS out there and ESB and like, I, I just, I don't see it. And then, you know, you bring in Devin Funches who again fits a certain mold, a big bodied wide receiver who can block on the outside for the running game. Like I, I guess I'm just reading the chips. I'm looking at what they're bringing in and I'm looking at what Green Bay is doing. And to me, it just seems pretty obvious that they want to be a run first team. So uh, yeah, Maybe I'm wrong. I, I think I and again, I don't think it's Rodgers. I, I, I want to, you know, state that this isn't a, a slight against Rodgers. I just think his efficient. He's going to have to have like a 75 percent completion percentage to be fantasy, you know, to be a top fantasy quarterback, because I just don't see his opportunities being there. I don't think his wide receivers are good enough for that. Like if you're saying that he has, that has to be in his range of outcomes. Like as much as the dynasty community and people want Alan Lazard to be a thing, I don't. I don't think he's a good wide receiver. Um, yeah, just straight up. Yeah, I mean, again, I I think that he gets it done in the the aggregate. But um, uh oh, hey, what we got? I, w- I want to take a turn at smashing James. Uh, it's like my favorite <laughs> yeah. thing to do. Um, don't take that in a dirty way, you listeners. Damn you, uh, James. <laughs> here's the thing you said my take was like putting hot sauce on dog turd Mm -hmm. and the thing with the hot take and maybe maybe because we don't do a lot of hot takes on the show you you haven't had enough practice with delivering your hot take i think your take is hot enough but your delivery was like oh here's the hot take and you gotta you gotta present it like it's not a bunch of hot sauce on a dog turd you have to present it like you're about to hand someone a literal piece of fire and they have to then maneuver around and use it like it's like they're it's too hot their hands like they're gonna freaking throw it away okay so your delivery could be a little bit better the take is fine the problem is is that if you look at last year they didn't rush more than they passed they threw 573 times they only rushed 411 times so I mean, the just the numbers just aren't supporting what you're saying. You're saying the offense is going to change by you're going to sh- are, are we even going to get close to 50-50? I mean, I just don't see that happening. Um, which I really wanted to say, man, this take sucks. And because the take sucks, you're bad at hot takes, and that makes it a bad hot take because it actually is like kind of believable. But you just went just you just went just hot enough. You turned the oven on just enough, and I'm like, God dang it i burnt my finger i'm mad it's like when you it's like this is one of those hot takes that when you cook your food in the microwave too long and then you grab the plate you're like oh ooh, ooh, ow and then it's fine it's a fine hot take it's it's burned me a little bit i'm a little pissed off about it but it's not <laughs> like you threw an oven on me okay so i need more from you more oven more fire you should have been like Aaron Rodgers is the most shit quarterback of all time. He's going to drop to below the top 20 quarterbacks. And here's why. And you couldn't do that. You went with 15 marginally hot. And because of that, you fired. What an asshole. He's right though. I mean, that's like, that's how you do it. Ethan, if he'd have done that, John would have driven (laughs) over to his house. Like he'd have been staring at him when he woke up tomorrow morning. I don't know. Like if that's a great situation for anybody. Yeah, no, no, this, this, it, it, the headlines write it, write themselves and, and it just ends poorly for everybody involved. But, but here's the thing is, you know, my hot take, man, it's so hot. It has never happened in the guy's career. 
It's that's happened twice, taking, both times due to injury. So I said that's an every week starter. Obviously, when he's injured, he wasn't an every week starter, was he? Because he see, didn't just like it. I said, just he's put it in the microwave for another fifteen seconds and burn my fingertips, and I'm I'm mad and pissed off because it was hot enough, but I just I wanted more. Yeah, I just wanted well, more. out of the more way, fire, probably grabbing grabbing chili, not soup, chili. That's probably what you were. You reading. ever grabbed a hot bowl of chili? That crap will burn your fingers and your face yeah. off at hold the same up, time. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> I, I need to go back and clarify something, Ethan. Did you just did you just walk through the exercise of the dog turd was in the microwave longer, or it needed to go back in the microwave? Why would you put the poop back in the microwave? <laughs> Tell no, me that. It's not about the poop. I just need to hear that. It's not like, about the like, dog turd. The but idea he, is the presentation. Just, you can say the take why was, you was a dog again? turd. You can say the take was a dog turd, but the dog Stop turd was on fire me. that you Stop were so afraid. The dog shit. <laughs> you were so afraid. You didn't even you want got to touch it. Out it. Of the that's how hot like, it was. Why did you put it back in? You didn't even want the turd. It was so hot. And that's why. Like, okay. That's worse than burnt popcorn smell, dude. Like, why would you go a step further in that? Like, I just, dude, I'm sorry, I gotta, man. James brought up the turds. I okay? just need to know why. Okay. James, I didn't even bring the turds back up. I just said that if you want to make a hot take, you got to, even if it's not a great take, you got to make it spicier with your presentation. Yes, you told him you need to nuke the dog crap longer. Dude, nuke it. <laughs> just nuke the turd, okay? I'm going to put that on uh, the show. In the like, super yeah. show, nuke the turds. I never thought we were going to have to tell a full-grown adult not to nuke a dog turd again. Like that, that is <laughs> Put it just back in, James. Is put awful. your dog turd take back in the microwave longer. My goodness. No. You know, I, I refuse. I refuse. I'm, I'm done with this, man. I have been I have been dog turded on all episode, and it's ridiculous. James, like I opened the show, dog turd. I get my takes in, more turds. I'm just surrounded by turds right now. Yeah, yeah, you guys are throwing turds at me, and Ethan's are hot. For if you don't reason. think that I'm presenting you with a flaming bag of dog turds the first time I meet you, you're getting it. That's what you're getting on your front porch, dude. What? Yeah, like well, we're 16 again. Well, I've gotten everything I've wanted out of this episode, guys. So I guess I'm done. I'm good. Uh, yeah. What am I gonna do? Eat the turd cold? Oh man, <laughs> what the hell was that? Um, seems like a good time to wrap it up. <laughs> Nobody talked about eating the microwave turds except for you, John. Jeez. Why else are you microwaving it over and over? Just disgusting. <laughs> Nobody wanted this. I hope we cut all this out. Not a chance. That is podcast gold. That's saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's wrap it up. That one, that one actually kind of broke me a little bit. So. Uh, that's, that's kind of all I I've got for you. I could, I could defend Aaron Rodgers until the end of time up until we start talking about, uh, proper reheating of, uh, canine feces. So, uh, we're going to wrap it up there for the week before we do that though. We got to, uh, uh, so we got, <laughs> like I said, this, this, this broke me. This, that one messed me up. D bro. Uh, so good to have you on, man. Like, like we said at the top, it was a long time coming and I really appreciate you making the time and uh, also congratulations on the new gig. You want to tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, uh, so thank y'all for having me. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Hope This has been a long time coming, man. So thank y'all for having me. This has been an absolute blast. Uh, go walk down memory lane, get to podcast with Ethan, give him um, some on-air uh, issues and problems. And I'm sorry if that spilled over to y'all, but uh, hashtag I'm not sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, man, uh, so... I, I, I'm uh, walking on cloud nine. Um, uh, my head is still kind of uh, swimming. Um, joining a great team over at Fade the Noise. Uh, I'm going to be covering everything from dynasty to redraft to best ball. I mean, basically, if it's football related, I'll probably produce content for it. Um, we have got so many things in the works right now that are coming soon. Um, I mean, we're literally launching... Um, probably like four sites at the same time. Um, we're going to be covering DFS. We're going to be covering fantasy betting. Um, literally if there is a sport out there and you can place a bet on it, we're probably going to be producing content for it. So a um, lot of things in the works, um, which has been a lot of late nights and not much sleep, but man, I'm loving it, man. But um, thank y'all again for having me. This was a ton of fun. Um, I know people are going to be like, they're going to turn on the episode. And we're like, really? <laughs> they talked about all kinds of this, that, and the other for over an hour and a half, but it was straight fire. It was, I loved it, man. I mean, we got to do this again soon. Oh, we, we will for sure. Yeah. We're definitely not going to wait this long to bring you back. Um, now that, uh, now that you're officially part of super show Canon, um, you're, uh, you're going to be back and, uh, we're going to get some more takes from you. We're going to get more info from you. Um, but yeah, I mean, this one was packed. Uh, with all kinds of good stuff. So uh, really appreciate you having on and uh, uh, really appreciate you coming on. How about that? Um, I'm still recovering, seriously. Um, and just really proud of proud of you for uh, for the new gig with Fade the Noise. Um, really looking forward to uh, to getting back to reading some of your stuff once, uh, once the site's launched and everything. Um, and uh, above all else, just, just appreciate you uh, just as a person, man, like it's, it's always been such Thanks, a buddy. So it's always such a pleasure when, when, uh, we get to talk and I'm, I'm glad that, uh, the rest of the world gets to, uh, gets to see the greatness that is the D bro. Uh, Ethan's raising his hand. Apparently he's got a question. (laughs) I also want to jump on the love of D bro show. Oh, okay. Uh, For those of you listeners that don't know, D bro actually was the first person in the industry that had a podcast that requested me to come on. I, he is the reason I'm on this show right now. Uh, he saw me when I had like 25 followers on Twitter, legit. And he was like, you know what? That dude is a genius. I need him. He called me the injury savant, which is still my favorite nickname I've ever been called. Uh, <laughs> true, Superflex man. show you will not, tough. the Superflex show won't call me that. And I don't know why James gets a cool nickname, but Ethan has to just be the doctor. That's bull crap. Um, I'd never heard that one. Legit, the injury savant. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, you just back to, hey, I'm not done I, praising D-Bro. I wasn't, okay? D-Bro was paying attention, but I wasn't. I don't know why I would. I think the new nickname for Ethan is Dr. Dog Turd. I think that's what we should call <laughs> that him is now. not the nickname. <laughs> um, let me tell you something about D-Bro. This dude, legit, is one of the hardest working dudes in the industry. I'm so proud of him and everything that he has accomplished, legit, yeah. Almost cried real man tears when I heard that you got a full-time gig because I was so proud of you. You work so hard, and I'm so happy that you took the time 
to come on this show back down with just little Ethan, your little injury savant, your little buddy, uh, <laughs> who is a real doctor now, uh, not just a doctor. And I, I appreciate you. Doctor. And I'm so legit proud of you. And I just wanted everyone out there, I wanted that live on on the show because it's legit. And if you're not following Debro at Debro underscore FFB, you're doing yourself a disservice, and I'm disappointed in you. Man, I, I I couldn't have said it better myself. Deadly freaking accurate, by the way. Besides being, uh, besides the work ethic, the work ethic, it's just the the accuracy. Sometimes, man, like I've when when you get into this industry, after a while, it gets really hard to to take advice from other analysts. Like it, you know, you, you sometimes you fall into the echo chamber a little bit. Um, you know, sometimes you feel like your your own takes start to. Uh, kind of take on a, a, the life of of those that you're trying to listen to. Above all else, I mean, we just we do our own work, we do our own analysis, and and you have to trust that. But I have to tell you, man, I still there. I I have a handful of people who I listen to. Derek Brown is one of is at the top of my list of people who can actually change my mind about stuff. So I, I'm also very thankful that you didn't go too hard after Aaron Rodgers because that would be a hard one <laughs> for me to let go of. Man, I'm gonna cry, man. Thank y'all. This is <laughs> this is amazing. Y'all are far, far too kind. I gotta say that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming, man, and we'll do it again soon. Uh let's wrap it up there for the week. And as we do that, uh subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF family of podcast mega feed. And then uh, once you've done that, do us a huge favor, rate and review the Super Show. Help us get more people involved in the conversation so we can touch on topics that are useful to you, our super friends. Get at us on Twitter at Superflex Show. Even better, uh, hit us up individually. We're so much better <laughs> at responding to those. So James is at underscore James the Brain. Ethan's at E Turner FF underscore PT. Debro's at Debro underscore FFB, and I'm at Superflex Dude. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy.